And I also want to thank Cliff for giving me a good sermon series uh, during his communion meditation. You'll find out what that is someday. Uh, he'll be the first to tell you. I don't even know if he's still in here, but <clears throat> he'll be the first to tell you he's not perfect, Cliff Cor. Um, I was just thinking about this as he was speaking. He's a he's a teacher, and I would probably, and I'm serious about this, probably give just about all my worldly possessions if all of our teachers were a cliff core. He is a good man in whom I have an incredible amount of trust. Just something to bear in mind. <clears throat> we have, uh, it's no surprise to any of you, that we've been struggling with pandemic, <clears throat> pandemic, worldwide, widespread, epidemics local, right? And at this point, it's been going on for some time. Um, the results you've probably seen can affect the physical body, make us sick. It could even affect the mind and the emotions. It affects jobs and the closeness that we want to have with others. It saps our energy. I know some of you have experienced um, but we've also heard that it could be very dangerous, it could destroy lives, it can even end lives in certain circumstances, and it doesn't just affect the one that's struggling with it, it affects people around them, doesn't it? Uh, at least has the potential to affect them, uh, and pretty much anybody we come in contact with can affect even our kids or our grandkids if we spend time around that, I mean generations if you look at it that way. Some people have been able to avoid it, or at least it seems like they've been able to avoid it. They at least seem unaffected. But many people, I would even venture most of the people you know have gone through it, and without a cure, may continue to go through it, each time becoming worse and worse. It's Perhaps it's been said, and I think it's true, that it's perhaps the most dangerous thing that we've ever faced as a human race. The question is, is there a cure? Well, sure there is. Sure there's a cure. But it's hard for many people to accept it. And there's certainly hard for people to trust it. People are leery of this cure. And some have gone so far as to say it's ineffective. If they accept it, there are those who feel, away, feel that it takes away their freedom. That it's going to deny them a chance to live the way they were meant to live. And look, even I've been affected by it. You guys know this. Uh, and I did my best to avoid it. Uh, it's no secret that the, the, the church itself... <clears throat> has been struggling with this monster. My family was affected then and even now. And if I spent too much time with them, I would not only affect them, but I would run the risk of infecting them. The pandemic I'm speaking of is worry. Worry. Fret. Anxiety. I truly believe it is the biggest problem that the human race faces. I truly believe... The human race has not, nor does it live and exist the way it's supposed to because of this pandemic of worry. You've never seen the human race existing the way it is created to exist. The effects of it, you've probably noticed. Fear, sadness, anger, confusion, hopelessness, worthlessness, hatred, Lack of energy and at the same time haste, carelessness, even dishonesty. 
Told you it can affect you physically, didn't I? Yeah. Heart attacks, ulcers, high blood pressure, migraines. And I'm not saying that worry causes all of those things all the time. I am certainly saying that worry can cause those things. Uncontrolled, unchecked, life-defining worry is one of the most dangerous things a human being can possibly face and the human race is going through now. And the thing about it is it is an incredibly dangerous battle that you lose the minute you decide to engage. The second you decide to engage, you've already lost. So Jesus' solution? (laughs) Jesus says, why are you even engaging? (laughs) Just don't engage. He says, quit the field. Walk out of your kingdom and into my kingdom. Because Jesus says, in my kingdom, we don't have these battles. See, all these battles are in your kingdom, not in my kingdom, says Jesus. Our kingdom is where these battles rage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we get the chance to, to be changed. Not just, not just read, but, but to be changed, to be, to be helped. Uh, some of that help hurts, Father. Uh, but we thank you that we get the chance to be helped today, to, to, to learn, to know, to understand, to, to, to be set free as we look at the words of Jesus and how we can apply them to our lives. We thank you. Father, open our eyes. Let us be set free today. In Jesus' name, amen. One other thing I forgot. Um, the fifth and sixth grade event, by the way, is not happening today. It's been postponed to the 17th of October because of the rain and everything. I forgot the announcements I was going to, but I got distracted. Um, um, I was rudely interrupted, and so I forgot to do announcements earlier today. So just keep that in mind. See, you weren't even to pay attention to that, were you? <laughs> tell somebody you don't worry. I dare you. Tell somebody you don't worry. Go up to somebody, tell them you don't worry. I don't worry about anything. I'm, there isn't a thing in my life. I worry about. They're going to say one of two things about you. They're either going to call you a liar or they're going to call you crazy. One of two, right? You're either a liar or you're crazy. You're either, you're either deliberately misleading me or you have no idea what's going on. You don't even know what worry is. You have lost your mind. This is one of those crazy things of Scripture where Jesus tells us not to worry. Now, we've looked at a lot of things, a lot of crazy things. Throughout this past series, uh, holiness. We started with holiness, and you need to start with holiness because none of the other stuff is going to matter. You're not going to embrace any of this other stuff if you don't embrace holiness. Holiness is not only a command, but an opportunity, a right to be different than everybody else. You're allowed to be set apart, unique. Okay, now this holiness is after God's direction. You can't just choose how you want to be different, you know, just be, you know, completely off the wall. This is after God's direction and His righteousness. But we are given the command and the, the, the literally God-given right to be different, be special, be holy. And if you embrace that, if you just say, look, that's an absolute certainty in my life, that's just my life, that's just the way it is, then you're going to be able to engage in and grasp and, and accept some of these other crazy things of Scripture. We looked at eat the flesh. 
and drink the blood. If that was the first time, if that was the first thing you heard when you heard about Jesus, I don't think you'd hear about anything more, would you? You'd walk out. I don't know what kind of crazy cult you people have, but I don't want to have anything to do with this. Eat the flesh and drink the blood. And we found out that Jesus is saying, look, you need to consume all that I am in order to sustain your life. My life, my character, says Jesus. And not, and not even just his character, even, even his actions, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection, all of this should be the thing that gives you power, the thing that gives you nourishment, the thing that gives you a desire and drive <clears throat> to go through life. Jesus put it best when he said, I have food you know nothing about. I've got something that I'm getting right now that makes me go through my day and my life and my work and my mission and my purpose. And that's what he tells his disciples. His disciples want, want them to have physical food, all right? I, I do that part well, okay? I don't need anybody to help me with that. He says, I got food you know nothing about. I could go without food completely, and I'd still be moving forward with this as Jesus. We've also looked at, you know, your own life, hating your own life. This is what Jesus says. Your life, the life of your friends, the life of your family, mom, dad, brothers, sisters. Boy, that's, when you're, when you're evangelizing, don't start with that one, okay? Don't lead with that one, all right? Because you might not get a follow-up uh, in there. And Jesus says, unless you hate your own life, you can't be my disciple. Does Jesus want us to hate people? Of course he doesn't. He wants us to love people more and more. But we learn Jesus saying, look, I've got to be number one. I've got to be number one because everything else you're about to hear, everything else you're about to see is going to get really difficult if I'm not number one in your life. It's going to be almost impossible to follow some of these crazy things that are good for you if I'm not number one in your life, even more important than your own life. <clears throat> we saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and this is probably the craziest thing. This is impossible, right? This is the cat one. Uh, we talked about last week, right? I mean, and, and, and if we believe in this, there's a lot of things that we're able to believe in. It always kind of makes me chuckle. People believe, and I mean believe, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we go through some of the miracles in Scripture, and people say, well, that's not possible. Well, I, scientific evidence doesn't point to the fact that that's possible, whether it's miracles, creation, whatever it is. I guarantee you scientific evidence doesn't point to possible somebody's going to be dead for three days and rise again. If you can believe in that, there's a lot of stuff that you can believe in. You can believe in everything in Scripture if you can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And also we learn to pray for our enemies, love our enemies. There and a person in the world that likes to do that naturally. Uh, we, we just don't like doing it. We don't like to hear about it. But I think we learned that we don't have enemies. I mean, you don't have, you're not a superhero, okay? If you're a superhero, maybe, all right, you've got an arch enemy, okay? If you're not... You don't have an enemy. Jesus has enemies, and you've got Jesus. All right, that's the way that works. So what does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to pray for and love who? His enemies. His enemies. There's people around the world that hate Jesus, people around the world that hate anybody that loves Jesus, people around the world that hate what Jesus stands for. They hate the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They don't even believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if they did, they'd hate Him then. Jesus has enemies. You have Jesus, okay? That's the way you look at it throughout life when you're going to interact with other people. You're going to pray for them, show love to them. That develops into a genuine affection over time. But if you tell somebody you're not going to worry, well, now you're just crazy. I mean, this is it. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, says Jesus, Matthew 6, verse 25 <clears throat> 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. You could end it there if you wanted to. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Everything. All of it. Now he gets into a couple specifics. He says, what you're going to eat and drink and your body, what you're going to wear, all that stuff. He says, do not worry about your life. After all, your life is the most important thing. It's a lot more important than the food and the clothes and all that stuff. Your life is the key. Your life is the most important thing to you, and it's very, very important to God. Don't worry about your life. But he starts out with therefore, doesn't he? And every time you read therefore or and or because or whatever it is, got to back up. Make sure you read everything in context. Jesus has been talking about storing up for ourselves treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. He says, don't do that. Don't store up yourselves treasures on earth. That stuff amounts to a pile of junk. It's going to get stolen. It's going to be given away. It's going to turn to dust. It's going to turn to rust. He said, why are you spending all your time doing that? Why are you spending all your focus doing that? <clears throat> he says, you need to store up, for tre- store up treasures in heaven. And finally, he says in verse 24, look, nobody can serve two masters, guys. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. That is, pay attention to one and pretty much ignore the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Notice how Jesus refers to these earthly treasures. Really key in on that. No one can serve. He's talking about earthly treasures, the time, effort that we spend in this. Notice how he says, no one can serve two masters. Master. You want to focus on that? Huh? You want that to be your drive, this thing, this stuff? Jesus, calls, Jesus says, that's your master. Nobody likes to hear that unless it refers to Jesus anyway. They have mastery over you. They command us. They say jump and we say how high. Too often we think, people think this all over the world and it is so prevalent. Well, it's always been prevalent. Forget that. I'm not going to say it's so prevalent today. It's been prevalent since the time of Jesus. This thought that says I must accumulate, that way I can have my freedom. Jesus says that is completely the opposite. That is 100% The opposite of freedom, Jesus says. It becomes your master. You put yourself in bondage by the things we want, even the things we need. We meditate. We worry about. That's That's what worry is, is meditation. Filling our minds, rolling it over and over and over again, chewing on it over and over, digesting it. We meditate on those things that are bad rather than the word that brings life and freedom. Jesus says, quit that. Quit that. You see, the point is Jesus doesn't want us to worry. Think about it. Day in, day out, we think about the bad. Day in, day out, we think about the struggle. Day in, day out, we think about the possibility of what might happen all the time, over and over. You might be doing it right now. Someone might have happened this morning. You might have gotten a phone call this morning. Something might be happening going on right now. You're hearing the Word of God, but your mind is over on worry. And we wonder why we go through life feeling trapped, feeling down, feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling scared, feeling angry, feeling hateful, because our minds are sunk into the possibility of bad all the time. And we do it to ourselves. That's worry. 
<clears throat> Jesus says, I want you to meditate on the beautiful things, not the ugly things in 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Something that we might miss in our lives are commands of Jesus. You probably don't lie, or at least you try really hard not to, right? And you don't lie because God said don't lie, right? You don't steal because God said don't steal. You don't cheat because God says don't cheat. You don't kill because God says don't kill. And all of these commands, we know, we understand. And we go through our lives trying to avoid, you know, breaking these commands. Jesus gives a command here. It's a command. He's telling you, as the master, giving you a command, do not worry. Too often, church, you, me, and everybody else says, I do not care what Jesus says. I don't care what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't know me. Jesus doesn't know my situation. Jesus doesn't care about my situation. Or I know best. My favorite one is I have to prepare myself, right? Got to prepare myself. Prepare my mind. Prepare my heart. I know how I'll do this. I'll think about the worst things that could possibly happen. That ought to make me feel good. That ought to strengthen me, right? We say it. I'm going to prepare myself for the worst. Jesus says, why don't you just build yourself with the best? Just build yourself with the best. And you can be strengthened in that way. This is a command that Jesus gives us. Do not worry. And what's his argument? I mean, really the focus he's getting at is worry. Worry. It's not about the actual things. It's about the worry. Being commanded by worry. His arguments are twofold. Number one, it doesn't do any good. That's what he says. It doesn't do any good. You have never changed, nor will you ever change, nor has the person beside you, nor has the person across the world ever once in the history of ever changed the outcome of anything by worrying. Now, sometimes you work yourself up into such an anxiety that you make it worse, but you have never once, ever, never once, ever, ever, ever changed the outcome Benefited the outcome by worrying. Jesus says the same thing. It never builds. It only destroys. Verse 27, can any one of you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can you change the bare minimum in your life that supposedly you have complete control over by worry or anxiety? You know, it's almost as if you could do an experiment. You could take two people of similar walks of life, right? Two different rooms, put one in one room, one in the other. Maybe people have done this. I don't know. You shut them in there. The first one gets an assignment. Here's your assignment. Take a load off, man. Relax. Chill out. Read a book. You know, have plenty to eat and drink. Watch the game. If you really want a great mood, watch High State Records. You can put yourself in a great mood. That's what you want to do, okay? Just, you just chill. You just relax. But you, here's your job. All the bad, all the ills in your own personal life, in your work, in your school, your kids, around the world, things that you have zero control over, I want you to fret on that too, right? Of course, we don't do that. We don't do anything like that. I want you to worry about that and fret about those things. I want you to figure this out, okay? 
You come back a day later, two days later, a year later, if you're sadistic, and you open up both of these rooms, right? This one over here not only feels horrible, but looks horrible. I mean, the guy's destroyed, practically destroyed. Your first guy, he's had a nice break. He comes out and thanks you. I really appreciate this. Why don't you shut the door? I'm going to stay in here for a while, right? Here's the thing. (laughs) That's the only difference. Both of those guys are going to get up and go to work the next day. They're both going to face the same challenges. They're both going to have good days and bad days. They're both going to have the same problems. They're both going to raise their family. They're both going to have challenges in their marriage or, or, or raising their kids or whatever. They're both going to do that. The only difference is one's ready to face it. And the other one is destroyed before they even get to it. That's what worry does. That's what anxiety does. That's what this rolling it over and over in your mind, thinking that you're preparing yourself or strengthening yourself. You are cutting yourself away by worry and anxiety in your life. There's reasons why we do that. We'll get there at the end of the message. Jesus says it doesn't do any good. You don't change the destination when you worry, ever. You just make the journey a whole lot worse. You got one life, church. Why are you going to waste it worrying? What's his second argument? Jesus says, if you're going to worry, you got a trust problem. It's not a, it's not a, a responsibility problem. It's not a priority problem. It's not a full plate problem. Forget all those excuses. Jesus says, you got a trust problem if you're going to worry. Go back a verse to verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. They don't sow. They don't reap. They're not out there toiling and sweating away, yelling at the kids to get away so they can get something done. But your heavenly Father feeds them, takes care of them, makes sure they have a house to live in, all this beautiful, wonderful stuff. The birds, he says. You've ever heard that? This stuff's for the birds, right? It's because they're worthless. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, God takes care of the birds. Gives them everything they need. In fact, you know how, you know how well God takes care of the birds? Every morning they get up singing. That's how well he takes care of the birds. He says, you're a lot more important than they are. You're ten times more important than they are. Or nine times, maybe. But you're a lot more important than they are. We've looked at 27, look at 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Brother, you got a trust problem here. Look at the flowers in the field. Look, they don't labor, they don't spin. But all those flowers look more beautiful than Solomon did in all his splendor. Solomon is an incredibly wealthy king, Israelite king, you know that. People came from all over the world to look at, his, look at Solomon's splendor. He says, Is this how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown in the fire? Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith, you of little trust? You do not trust. That's what Jesus is saying. You're worried and worried and worried and worried and worried because you're told it's responsible to worry. Jesus says you are faithless. Faithless. We've been asking the question throughout this series. It just developed on its own, really. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? There's a big difference, right? James tells us, look, even, even Satan knows that there's God. And Satan believes in God. But, but do you trust him? Worry is where you find out. Worry is where you find out. Do I worry or do I not? He lays out evidence. Jesus lays out evidence. He says, look around you. 
Your Father cares for His creation. He sustains everything by giving it all it needs. He says, are you less important? Do you really think He's going to ignore you? By the way, this laying out evidence, what Jesus is doing is, is helping people get to know who God is. Let me describe this guy for you. Let me show you what He's like. Getting to know the Father so that we might trust Him. We can see, I think, really exactly what Jesus is talking about if we look at our own kids. Ask yourself the question, do you like it when your kids worry? Do you like it when your kids worry? When they're filled with fret and anxiety? Are you or are you not a child of God? I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I'm a child of God. Didn't you just sing that? Are you lying or are you telling the truth in your praise and worship? Right? Do you like it when your kids worry? Do you like it when they're filled with anxiety? In fact, you look at them, certainly if they're worried about something that's your responsibility, you think your children, by worrying, are being irresponsible. Hey, that's not your job. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. I'll handle that. I can't imagine it, what would happen if, if Sam came in and was like, you know, just wanted to check. The, I don't know. The, can you bring up the, the, the accounts, Dad? I want to run through those real quick. Yeah. No, you, you can't. Why? Are we trying to hide anything? Absolutely not. But that, I don't want you to be concerned with that. You don't have to be concerned with that. Our kids the same way we are children of God. We're not being responsible when we worry. We're taking over God's job. Those of you who have kids, you're not going to ignore them. Do they have reason to fret or worry when you're on the job? That somehow you've forgotten them or want to harm them? Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we give them vegetables when they want a cookie, right? I mean, vegetables all the time. That's, that's the greatest part about being an adult. You can have a cookie whenever you want. That's it. That's number one on my list. As long as it's all right with Ashley, I can have a cookie whenever I want. That's <laughs> the way it goes. But we give kids vegetables when they want a cookie. Why? Not because we hate them, but because we're trying to care for them. Give them what they need. Give them what is good. Give them what's right. Sometimes we give them a cookie. Thanks, that's great. But we'll ask God, we'll pray to God, we'll talk to God, we'll go through a difficult issue of something in our life and it won't turn out exactly the way we want. We turn to God and say, why don't you care? Trust me, God cares. Sometimes He just cares with broccoli. Our Father cares very much. Small victory in our house. Sam lost a tooth um, that he's been wrestling with for what seems like an eternity. Uh, was hanging on by a thread. Actually, it was hanging on by a thread, but then those threads gave out, and it was just hovering. That's pretty much what it was. And I told him, I said, let me pull your tooth out, buddy. And I've been working on this, you know, pull the tooth. And he's hating it. I mean, just, I said, Sam, I'm going to pull your tooth out. I could have gotten the same reaction, whether I said, Sam, I'm going to pull your tooth out, or Sam, your mother and I don't love you anymore, and you need to move out. It would have been the same reaction, okay? No, you know. Working on this, he's crying, you know, and all this stuff. It's a good thing somebody didn't like pass by the window or something, you know. And he's he's crying and all this stuff, shutting his mouth, you know. Couldn't get it out, couldn't get it out, you know. Finally, I said, "All right, all right, look, we're going to work on this tomorrow," you know. And so last night we get to wrestling a little bit, right? I just wanted I just wanted to pull. The, that was it. We get to wrestling last night. We wrestle a couple times a week. Um, it's a whole big thing. 
And uh, anyway, he's running at me. I'm on my knees. He's running at me. He trips, falls. His face smashes into my nose. Immediately, I go down. But his momentum on my hand, his momentum is such that he keeps running and flips over my back. Runs, rolls, smacks into the side of the bed with his mouth. Drags his mouth down the bedspread. There goes the tooth. And Sam said... Well, that was easy. <laughs> I, 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 that was not easy. That wasn't easy. I had easy. He needed to pull his tooth. He thought it was horrible. Sometimes God says, all right, have it your way, or you can trust me. And if you do it your way, it's going to be a lot harder, and there's going to be a lot more pain involved. You might get the job done. You might. But I'd rather you just trust me. Lay it at my feet, trust me. A couple weeks ago, we quoted Tozer. And I think this is a great place to remind us, God's supreme purpose for us is to make us like his son, Jesus Christ. If we understand that everything happening to us, listen, if we understand that everything happening to us is to make us more Christ-like, it will solve a great deal of anxiety in our lives. But we have to believe it. You have to accept it. It's absolutely true. Anxiety comes from the word, you know this, anxious. Experiencing worry, unease, nervousness, all of these things. And why do I bring that up? Because one may argue, well, look, I don't worry about material things. i got to be honest with you. i got to just level with you. The whole material stuff in our house, not really a thing. You know, we don't have a lot, but what we have, we use, we need. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow, it might be there the next day. But we get along, you know, we, we, we love each other, we just have fun with it, right? But don't assume that this is the extent of our worry. Don't assume that that's the extent of the command not to do so. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, this is Paul talking about anxiety in our life. He says, replace it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. He starts out talking about anxiety there so that we can replace it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Your gentleness is not going to be evident to all if you're filled with worry and anxiety and fret all the time. Your impatience is going to be evidence. Your sadness, your anger, your frustration, that's going to be evident, not your gentleness. He says, the Lord is near. See, I didn't always believe this. I didn't always believe this because I went through a lot of my life ignoring Jesus. Ignoring him. I mean, how many times does a kid come up beside you, you're talking to somebody, kid comes up, tugs on your leg, you look, to, whoa, hey, when'd you get there? It's almost the way we treat Jesus. I didn't, I didn't see you there. Well, no kidding, you were ignoring him. You're not talking to him. You're not asking him. You're not reading about him. You're not praying to him. None of this stuff. The Lord is near. I think, well, obviously, Paul didn't know what he's talking about. No, I'm not paying attention. The Lord is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about what? Anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Anything. That conversation that you got to have tomorrow at work. You know, you know right before you left on Friday, the boss said, hey, by the way, Monday morning, I want you in my office. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. You're going to replace it here in a second. Don't be anxious. The hard times, the struggles, raising kids, caring for parents and loved ones. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but let's replace it in every situation by prayer and petition 
with thanksgiving, by the way. This is not a quid pro quo. I'm not going to thank God for this so that He'll give me something over here. No. Paul wants us to keep our perspective, gain perspective. I want you to do this through thanksgiving. Let's talk about the grace. Let's talk about the mercy here. Let's talk about thanksgiving first because I want you to have the proper perspective in your life. Through thanksgiving or with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is lamenting. And lament old style. Lament old school. Moses lamenting, right? I mean, there's a point where Moses is yelling at God. They're having an argument back and forth. Lamenting is a proper and true act of worship. There's a book called Lamentations, right? Lament before God. I've got a problem, and I can't figure it out, and I'm scared, and I'm worried. I'm struggling with worry. I'm struggling with sinning against you. Sinning in our worry. And what does Paul say when we present that anxiety before God and lay it at His feet? The peace of God which you're not going to understand anyway because it transcends all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Two separate occasions this past week. As I'm writing this message, got up, walked in my prayer time because I was starting to worry. I said, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to worry about this. I know it's important. I know it's very serious. I know it's actually going to be a very difficult conversation, but I don't want to worry about it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to you about it, and then when I leave here, I'm not going to think about it anymore until the moment approaches. God says, finally. 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 Will you, just, will you do that with everything? Will you do that with everything, John? Because right now, you're doing it with these two things. I'm glad. It's actually turned out to be a wonderful, very, very close conversation that I ended up having. Um, anyway, it was very, very good. Lost my place here. Um, I really did lose my place. Not only do we see a command in Scripture, don't worry, we begin to see the solution right here, replacing worry with prayer, replacing worry with a new kingdom. Remember our two people in the experiment. One is filled with worry, another is filled with hope or rest. That's what happens after the experiment. So Paul continues, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Remember, replace your worry. Replace your worry. Don't stop worrying. Replace your worry. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. This is what he's talking about, anxiety. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Well, some of the worst advice anybody ever gets in their life is when somebody comes up to them and says, well, quit worrying. All right. Thanks. Appreciate that. That's not what Paul says. That's not what Jesus says. They say, replace it. Replace it. Take it out. You're going to have a void there. Paul says, I want you to replace it with beautiful things, good things. Meditate on those things. Dwell upon those things. Because whether you dwell upon the beautiful things or the ugly things, guess what? This thing that's going to happen that you want to be worried about, it's still going to happen. There's still going to be something there. There's still going to be a result. Now, when you get there, how strong are you going to be? How thankful are you going to be? How ready to go into battle are you going to be? Are you going to wear yourself out on the way there? Or are you going to strengthen yourself on the way there? Do you think this is unknown? Do you think you've forgotten about this? No. What we've already done is we've told God, we got a problem. We got a problem. You hold on to this for me. I'm giving it to you. We've prepared ourselves for this thing that we're worried about. 
Replace your worry with what is beautiful. Jesus says the same thing about the cure, about the solution. He says, replace it. Replace your kingdom with my kingdom. Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Those who don't believe in Jesus think about these things. Those who don't believe in Jesus concentrate on these things, worry about these things, roll these things over and over in their head. The pagans run after these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them anyway. A lot of you have kids. You know how this works. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things are going to be added to you as well. Why? Because all these battles of worry happen in your kingdom. They happen in your kingdom. Your worry happens in your kingdom. It doesn't happen in Jesus' kingdom. It doesn't happen living after Christ. It doesn't happen both feet in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Paul already tells us that. He says that's the secret to contentment. This leads us to another question we've been asking. Whose kingdom are you living in? There's a reason why David says delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It starts to align with that kingdom. When we miss opportunity, we miss tremendous witness opportunities because of worry. I see so many uh, professed Christians today and the way they carry themselves and the things they talk about and the things they say. And i got to tell you, if I didn't know Jesus already, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with Him. I wouldn't. Because I thought a follower of Jesus was supposed to be peaceful. And I'm not even talking about peace between me and another person. I'm talking about peace right here. I don't want to have what you're eating, what you're drinking. I don't want to have that. Horrible, horrible waste of opportunity because of our lack of peace, a lack of joy filled with worry and anxiety. I don't know why anybody would want to follow Jesus after seeing some of the professors, professors of Jesus worry in their life. The opposite of worry is peace. Seek first in all situations His kingdom, His righteousness, His word, His promises, His character. And all these other things are going to find their place. This, this brings about contentment. That's what Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Look, I'm not talking about this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content. Look at this. Whatever the circumstances. Doesn't matter. I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret to being content in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, doesn't matter. Whether living in plenty or in one. I can do all this stuff. Why? Because the only thing I care about, the only thing I'm following, the only kingdom I'm living in is Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives me the strength. Why do we worry? I've got to wrap this up. Uh, we can basically boil it down to three things. Uh, number one, we've already talked about this lack of trust. Lack of trust. Uh, we read the words in the Bible. We claim the word in our lives, but we can't bring ourselves to trust it. Why can't we bring ourselves to trust it? That's the question. Well, it's the same reason we can't bring ourselves to trust any other stranger. We don't know him. We don't know him. You're not going to trust a stranger with your life. You got to get to know who that person is. We know of him and the description's good, but it's not enough. We're not in the habit of spending life with him, spending time with him, trusting him in all areas of our lives. And why? Because we think we know better. I was telling a brother the other day, in my prayer time, sometimes I do this, but I did this a lot when I first started, and that was just sit and listen. Just sit and know. I go in there and start running at the mouth. Just, just, just sit in His presence and know that He's God. 
Just listen. Sometimes he speaks, sometimes he doesn't. But just sit in his presence for a while. We'll go day after day after day after day not sitting in the presence of Christ. Oh, sometimes we go in, right, to the throne room and start yelling. We do that. But just be in the presence of Christ. Get to know who he is. You see, Jesus doesn't worry. Jesus never panics, ever. In his entire ministry, he never panics, never worries. He's always in communion with the Father. He's he's always in the presence of the Father. Not because he's God. He's human just like you and me. He's always thinking about, dwelling upon, meditating on the presence of the Father. So Jesus doesn't worry. Why should you? I was taking a lady for a plane ride one time down to uh, West Virginia, Wheeling, West Virginia. And uh, she, she, she was, she'd never flown before. I didn't know this. Um, I don't fly much anymore, but I, it's only one thing that keeps a plane flying, right? Money. I don't fly much anymore. Um, but she, she wanted to go down, and, and I knew her grandson, and she, she'd never flown. This was a special day, special thing she wanted to do. And, uh, and she might not have uh, gotten the chance again. I, you know, I don't think she has, actually. Uh, she's, she's getting on in years. And she, so she wanted to do this. And so we took off and got about halfway to Columbus, which, you know, it's pretty quick. Um, and I'm up real high. You know, I wanted to be nice and smooth. And uh, about halfway to Columbus, I, I turn around. She's sitting in the back, turn around, just kind of look at her. And she's scared to death. I mean, just terrified. And I really, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to keep this thing just as smooth as possible, you know. I'm up. We can't hardly breathe them up so high. Just trying to get as smooth air as possible, you know. And uh, I felt horrible. I just felt horrible. And finally, I, t- I looked at her and I told her, and I've used, that was, this was the first time I've used this line. I've used it with, with people since then. I said, uh, I said, look, I said, do me a favor. Let's make a deal. She said, what's that? I said, see this? I, I, sh- I said, I'm flying the plane here. She said, yeah. I said, you don't worry unless I worry. How's that? You don't worry unless I worry. Because if I don't worry, it doesn't do you any good to worry. You're just missing the sights. You're missing the ride here. You're missing the fun of it. I'm in charge. You're not in charge. So if I'm not worried, don't worry. Guys, Jesus doesn't worry. He never worries. Never worries about his own life. He never worries about yours. Oh, he gets a little sad over things. We saw that throughout his ministry. But he doesn't worry about your life. Cares about it. Cares about it so much he died for it. And he'll do anything to protect it. But he doesn't worry. He doesn't sit here and wring his hands and fret. And if Jesus isn't going to worry, why do you worry? You're just going to miss the ride. You're going to miss the fun of it. You're going to miss the beauty of it. Stop worrying. The other reason we worry, lack of perspective. Lack of perspective, we've already talked about this. What if we do trust Him, but we just hate the outcome? We fear the outcome, and we can't be content. It's because we lack proper perspective. Again, God's desire in your life is to make you holy rather than happy. We've talked about this at length, okay? Stop thinking that God wants to make you happy. He doesn't want to make you happy, okay? He wants to make you holy. Now, there's a lot of times throughout life that God gives you incredible blessing, mercy, all these cookies that you want, all right? That's fine. But His goal 
is to make you holy, not happy. Happiness is temporary, but holiness is permanent. It's an eternal state of being that helps us, prepares us for the next problem that comes along. So make sure you have the right perspective. And finally, the third reason that we have too much worry in our lives is because we ride so heavily, so heavily on the acceptance or rejection of people. The acceptance or rejection of mankind. Stop that. Stop that. You ought to care about Jesus Christ and His desire in your life. That's it. That's first and foremost. What do you think Jesus is talking about when He says, unless you hate your own life, you can't be my disciple? You care about living after, living for the kingdom of God. That is my solid goal. I got a lot of different goals. Most of them don't come to fruition. But that one, that one's a serious one. To get to this point where I could not care less about the acceptance or rejection of man. You talk about taking worry and anxiety off your plate. That you live for, you desire this one and only relationship, unique relationship between you and Jesus Christ. And that shapes everything in your mind. That shapes every action that you have, thought that you have. What does Jesus care about? He cares about the will of the Father. The will of the Father. I'll tell you something else. Jesus died for you and me, but he cared about the will of the Father a lot more than he cared about you and me. Jesus cared about truth more than he cared about you and me, and I'm glad he did. Because he stuck to it all the time. Regardless of how much he loved and cared about other people. We're running late. You might say that you don't have time to do this, that you don't have time to pray, that you don't have time to replace things in the midst of an emergency, that you might not have this opportunity to go before the throne and sit and be for a while. You know, it's interesting that Jesus addresses that uh, as he and his disciples are looking at some, watching some people pray. And he takes this moment to tell his disciples, he basically gathers around and he says, come here, come here, check this guy out praying, look at him. See how he just keeps prattling on and 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 on? Don't do that. All right, just get to the point. Just get to the point. The point is, might not be the best point for me to make right now as we're running late. But, however, the point is that we take this moment, this worry, this anxiety, this issue, this problem that we have right now, and we lay it at Jesus' feet and talk about it. Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about this tomorrow. Know that you're not being irresponsible. Know that this is the responsible move. Jesus, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to work. I'm going to prepare. Look, we're not talking about apathy here. We're not talking about laziness. I'm still going to do the job, still going to work, still going to, you know, but I'm not going to worry about it. And when it comes, when it shows up, as it always does, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be strengthened. I'm going to be ready to go by the beautiful and wonderful things in my life because you're all that matters in my life. This is the cure for worry. You replace it. Don't stop it. Replace it with who Jesus is, what Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love you have for us in our lives. And Father, I ask you keep us from worry. Everybody in this room. I ask, Father, that that right now, as we're preparing for this week, Bring, bring to our mind, Father, bring to our mind 
things that concern us, the things that right now we're worried about. Each person, each person, Father, bring to their minds. Father, help us this week, this week, to talk to you about it. To talk to you about it. Lay at your feet. Tell you everything there is to know. Everything we know, everything we think. Just lay at your feet, Father. And so we can just leave it there. Allow us to experience the beauty and joy of this journey. Father, there's so many people that we care about and we love, and even they are a part of our worry. Father, we lay them at your feet. We, we, we give them to you, this, this, this struggle, this anxiety. We know that you know what's best for them so much better than we do anyway. Father, help us to give that to you. Maybe it's not this week, Father. Maybe just tomorrow. Just tomorrow. These things we think about. Help us to be responsible. Help us to be obedient to the commands of your Son. We know you love us. We know that. Help us to live that out. Help us to believe this fully with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the prayer. Today there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No one a Savior is it he Yeah.
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Been a rough week. Pete passed away. Ty's dad passed away. Most of you know this. He's singing. Here he is singing praises to Jesus. You know, the hard things, the bad things, the tragedies, because of Jesus, they don't have to define us. They don't, they, they don't allow us to lose hope if we keep our eyes on what's real, what's true, what's eternal. The loving power of Christ. Jim staring down death and his, his battle with cancer, you know, and just absolutely certain knowing who Jesus is, you know, his struggles that he's going through. Jesus replaces fear and worry in our lives to the point where things that we don't want to happen to us or anybody else do. And then a couple days later, we're singing praises to who he is and what he is standing here on stage. Guys, you replace it. You replace the anxiety, the hardship, the worry with the love and certainty you have in Christ. I haven't, I haven't gone through some of these things personally, okay? I, I'm not saying I have. But I'm saying that I have seen a lot of people, and Ty's is one of them. Jim's one of them. When Jesus enters into their life, so much of what could crush us has no power anymore. Has no power anymore. Something keep in mind. Father, we love you. We love that you love us. We love that you're patient with us and you care about us. And Father, you know better than we do that this life, this world we live in is just full of highs and lows and good and bad and struggles and beautiful days and hard days and just a whole mix of stuff. There's only one way. There's only there's only one way that we make it through, that we get through a topsy-turvy kind of crazy existence. That's keeping our eyes and our faith completely set on you. So Father, we thank you that you give us something to rejoice over, an absolute certainty that you give us to rejoice over, even in the face of hardship. We don't want to worry. We don't want to worry. We don't want to go through life scared. We want to go through life saved, Father. Just want to give our life to you. Amen. You're dismissed. Thanks for singing. I mean that very much. I was thinking about that all morning. I just appreciate you being here. And you. I do appreciate you too. Not Darren, but the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs>